Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful. His name shall be called Counselor. His name shall be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, verse 6, prophesied 800 years before the birth of Christ. Isaiah 53 gives the most graphic detail of the suffering servant Jesus Christ. 800 years before these things took place. Through the eye of a seer, we're told the reason why a son has been given. For unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. I want to remind you and remind myself this morning that the reason for this season is because of God wanting to connect with mankind. Or to be politically correct, people kind <laughs> these days. Unto us. Who's us? It's all of us. That the purpose of Jesus Christ coming into the world was for you and I to connect us back to the heart of this person in whom the government will rest upon his shoulders. This one who's called the Prince of Peace. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. You know, for the first 20 years of my life, I never found or understood the aspect. I'd heard about Christmas. I'd attended church and put a couple of five cent pieces in the offering at the local Anglican church in the countryside where I was raised. And I heard them singing the carols. But for the first 20 years of my life, I never understood the aspect. That when Jesus came, he came to reconcile the whole of this planet back to God. The purpose he was given as a child to the world was for us. To make the connection back to him again. And I know many of you and your stories in the congregation today of lives that have been dramatically changed because you found the aspirin. And the problem with the world today, tragically, is still 80% of this planet is still trying to get the aspirin. The tragedy is that there's a world that's falling recklessly towards the pit because they haven't yet understood the aspirin that Jesus was born, that a son was given for each and every single person on the planet. Why is the world still in that position, friends? Because we have erected walls that have divided us 
between us and Him. And Jesus came to break down the walls, the barriers that exist in the lives of the hearts that are here today. We've separated and we've walled off God out of the picture of our lives. And we've built walls that now contain us. Some have thought they've got the message, but they continue to have a wall of self-righteousness in their lives. Do you know how hard it is to follow God by trying to earn His favour? By trying to be good enough to be acceptable before God. There's so much pain in a heart that is continually failing and falling short of God, thinking that they've got to make their way to heaven where they don't understand the unto us was a son was given to you and to me so that we no longer have to climb the steps of goodness in order to make our way into the courts of heaven. Unto us. A son was given to us. He became Jacob's ladder. He became the connection point, the lightning rod between earth and heaven. A son has been born and been given to us. Or sometimes we're struggling because of the pretense that exists in the world that we live in today, that we pretend that everything's okay. Because we don't want people to look down upon us. And so we fall into that trap of inauthenticity. Which means we're not being real with others, let alone real with ourselves. About how things are really going. Did you know that a problem shared is a problem halved? And that when we get real with the struggle of sin and we get real with the personal struggles that each one of us go through. Until we become authentic about how it really is. The fullness of God's Spirit and the fullness of His Son cannot reach into the inner chambers of your heart and the inner chambers of our lives. What about those walls of fear where we become so afraid that we're too afraid to take a step forward into the future? And we become bound and our steps become locked and we begin to exist in a prison around about us, we become afraid of everything and everyone. And we can no longer walk in the freedom that the Son was given to make us free. He who sets, he who is set free by the Son is set free indeed. Amen. We walk in freedom when we meet the fullness of the Son who's been given to us. Some feel so abandoned. They feel alone. Maybe they've gone through a marriage breakup. Maybe they found out that their partner was cheating on them. Or maybe they even went into a business deal with somebody and they got ripped off. They feel alone. They feel abandoned. And they've erected walls of abandonment around about their life that they can no longer break through and experience the freedom that God designed for them. A child was given. A son was born for those walls of abandonment to come down. Loneliness is such a massive problem that we have in the world that we live in today. People are surrounded by people, but never have we ever had a world that is so alone. As hearts are trapped with walls of loneliness, they may even have family around about them, but they still feel so alone. Jesus came to break those walls of loneliness down. One of the worst walls that we all struggle with is the walls of regret. 
We're so hung up on our poor decisions in the past that we no longer feel we can live forward. We're always regretting the day we did this and the day that we did that that we can no longer focus forward and live forward in our lives. Our regrets have bound us and are separating you and me from experiencing the freedom of the Son that was given to us today. Many of us in this room have struggled with addictions. Started off innocent. Maybe that first bed at the TAB. You know, my grandfather was a chain smoker. He had... He used to smoke. He used to smoke cigarettes between each finger because he started with these two, but he got such yellow stains on those fingers so he'd go to the next finger and the next finger until he went to the next hand. And all I can remember is a kid seeing my grandfather with nicotine-stained hands and listening to the horse racing day in, day out in his retirement, going into town to the TAB. No telephone bedding or internet bedding back in those days. And that one thing created a wall of separation with his family. Why do you have to spend all this money and waste all of our hard-earned money on this addiction that you have? Maybe it was the first sip, sip of alcohol that you and I took. And all innocence that ended up turning into a raging problem as you grew through your teenage years. Until that wall became such a giant wall that you no longer felt that you could escape. Trapped behind a wall of addiction this morning. Needless, we talk about the walls of shame in our lives. Shame is such a hideous thing where we suppress something that's happened within our lives. Normally when we've been a victim of someone or something, and we feel that we just can't bring it into the light as Terry was sharing this morning. And that wall becomes so big that it even separates us from the ones that we love the most and the ones that love us the most. Because we just, we're so ashamed we can't tell anybody about our secret. Friends, these walls contain us. These walls separate us off from the freedom of what we've been called to experience. And at this time of the year, I want to remind us that the words of the prophet Isaiah, unto us a child is born. Unto us, you, me, a son has been given to you in order to break down every wall of shame, fear, regret, abandonment, self-righteousness. God wants to bring them all down today. That's why Jesus came. How must his heart ache when he sees the children of God still trapped behind walls that have been made by others or have been erected by ourselves because he was given to us in order to break free from those walls of containment within our life. You know, the history of the world is filled with examples of containment, where the philosophies of men caused them to do crazy things. In 1961, East Germany woke up one morning to find 29 miles of walls that were erected that separated them from their own countrymen, East versus West, that lasted 
for 28 years. And those walls were made up of 45,000 concrete segments, each segment of concrete weighing two and a half tons. 116 watchtowers manned by troops. Walls of containment, what? To control people's minds with the philosophies of man. A physical example of what a spiritual wall can do within your life and lock you off and lock you away from the freedom that God wants you to experience this morning. 10,000 border guards to man that 29-mile wall. 10,000 troops to watch that wall to make sure that no one from the east escapes to the west. 5,000 escape attempts. That tells you how good it was in East Germany, amen? 5,000 people wanting to escape the rule of communism and break free into the democracy of West Germany. 239 of those 5,000 that tried to escape were killed in the process. And yet, friends, we can look at this hideous thing, but I want to tell you the human race is a lot like East Germany where we've brought into philosophies, where we've brought into concepts and thoughts that have locked us, have erected walls inside of our hearts that stop us from experiencing the freedom that Jesus Christ has brought for us. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. On the other side of our walls this morning, I want to tell you, on the other side of that loneliness, that fear, that shame, that guilt, those addictions... There's a rich spiritual inheritance waiting for each one of you. In 1989, the Berlin Wall came down. Some of you who were around that time, you will see, you will remember the news clips that got beamed in on our national six o'clock news of these massive concrete segments being pulled down, of people dancing on top of the wall, East Germans dancing on top of the walls. You know what? It all came from a challenge from a former Hollywood star that became a president of the United States of America. His name was Ronald Reagan, who stood two years earlier in 1987 at the Brandenburg Gate. And he said, Mr. Gorbachev, you of the Soviet Union, if you really believe in peace and equality, if you really believe in your Soviet doctrine, then why don't you come down here and meet me at the gate and open these walls for your people to experience freedom. And two years later, it all began to happen. What, which, 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 what really was a sovereign move of God, if we look at the whole picture, God had to overrule. And God literally brought down a physical wall 29 miles long as it came down where the philosophies of man were broken by the power of God moving in presidents and state, statesmen's lives in order to bring people into freedom. You know, can Jesus really, can he really break the walls down inside of our lives? Is he really a liberator? Is he really someone that can truly set us free this morning? Can the power of God truly alter the way we act, the way we behave, the way we think? You bet it can, friends. That's what Jesus came to do. 
He came to set lives free. Unto us a son has been given. Unto us a child has been born. The human race has been given the greatest gift of all time. And my message may be simple today, but it's just as relevant as it was 2,000 years ago when Jesus began to proclaim that people could be set free by the power of God, that people's lives could change, that demons could be cast out, that the deaf could hear, that the blind could see, that the lame man could walk again. And people got it. And people were set free. And people just didn't understand what this was when he cast 2,000 pigs down into the sea. The farmers got offended because their livelihood just got drowned. And they petitioned that Jesus would be gone from the area, not realising that a man who had 6,000 demons inside of him called Legion, who was cutting himself day and night, they tried to chain him down with physical chains, but the demonic power was so strong that he literally would break the chains and walk naked amongst the tombstones at night. They didn't see what God did for him. They were worried about their pocket, their money, their bank account. And friends, it's no different today. We can get so caught up with wrong priorities that we actually miss God's moment for our lives. That the greatest thing that can ever happen in this world is for a life to be truly set free by the power of God. To see Jesus Christ into someone's heart. And to see them suddenly no more the person that they were. Many of my friends couldn't believe. I didn't see many of my friends for years and years after I got saved because I was living in a different part of New Zealand. And they said, oh, Jim, what are you doing now? I said, I'm a pastor. You're a what? Plasterer. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm a, pa- a plasterer. A pastor. P-A-S-T-O-R. You, a pastor. Come on. This is an April Fool's Day. (laughs) And you see, when a heart is truly set free, sometimes people won't even recognise your life anymore because it's been so dramatically changed. You no longer are trapped through the cords of your own sin. I love what Ephesians 2.14 says this, for He Himself, Jesus, is our peace. Do you remember The day you receive Jesus Christ into your life, authentically, for the first time when you really mean it. Do you remember what happened on the inside? I'll never forget it. I couldn't believe the peace. I couldn't believe all my troubled thoughts evaporating. I couldn't believe the tranquility inside of myself, no longer wrestling inside with myself day in, day out. Long nights, wondering what on earth my life was all about because the Prince of Peace was given to me and He entered my heart and He entered my soul and He changed me. For He Himself is our peace who has made both one. What do you mean both one? Unto us, mankind and heaven got reconciled in the Son. He became our peace. And look what it says next. He's broken down the middle wall of separation of those issues that contain you and me. Those walls are smashed. They're broken by the power of God. Now you and I can experience what it truly means to be a son and a daughter of the Most High God this morning. You know, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, He wasn't kidding. And it's the great challenge that we put out to the world that we live in today, where we begin to tell the world 
say, that's not the way, that religion's not the way. Even the, even the church that I belong to, that's not the way. The way is a person. The way is the way of salvation. His name is Jesus. The way forward, the way, the truth, and the life is contained in one person, the son that's been given, the child that's been born, Jesus Christ. And when we get him, we get the freedom. We get the way. We get the truth. And we get the abundant life. I mean, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen. He doesn't want us to still be wallowing around with walls that we've erected in our hearts that we still are too afraid to pull down because we don't know what's on the other side of it. Friends, it's time for us today to walk in the freedom that God has given to us and to step forward boldly into 2018 with the Son of God blazing and shining His light through our hearts to see the world touched by the power of God. Oh, hallelujah. So friends, what's the key to our freedom this morning? Well, you've got a spiritual centre operating in your life today. It's called a heart. It's not the physical organ I'm talking about. I'm talking about the spiritual centre of every person's life called the heart of man. And that's where walls are erected and that's where containment happens on the inside, not the outside. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of your life. Another translation says, Above all else, watch what's going on in your heart. Because if you don't watch and monitor what's going on in your heart, how easy is it, friends, in your garden to grow a weed? No problem. They just come up out of the ground. It says, keep your heart with all diligence. Why? Because walls get erected very quickly in your heart. Walls of offence, walls of unforgiveness. Walls of revenge. Walls of vengeance. They're so easy to rise within your heart when you become a victim of somebody else's evil within your life. And soon without you even realising it, the weeds are growing and the walls are coming up brick by brick within that spiritual center. And God says to you this morning, I want you to watch. I want you to keep with all diligence. Diligence means hard work. A diligent student will get A pluses and A's and A minuses. Whereas a lazy Kiwi will often get through with C minuses and C's. It takes diligence, it takes watchfulness, it takes all hands on deck with this heart of yours to keep it free from those walls being erected. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, I, I can remember, I w I've been pastoring for 11 years and an event went down in my family. And I used to counsel people in the church as a young pastor. And, I, and, and, and in my heart, there, there was... There was an attitude within my heart, you just need to try harder. Jesus has given you all the equipment, and I'd see things happen, and people would come to me for counsel and for help, and I'd help them out, and I'd do everything else, and then they'd go around in circles and come back again. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I'll never do that. I'll never walk away from you. And an event happened in my life and in my family's life. And you know what? I was on a sabbatical, and I never talked to God for eight weeks. I refused to open my Bible. And that judgment I had to other people came back to me. 
because I was so offended at God. Just as well I wasn't in the pulpit because I tell you what, I couldn't have preached. I couldn't have preached my way out of that. Nothing could have happened. My heart was locked solid. It was, it was, it was, it was an iron dome. It was impenetrable. And praise God, by the power of the Spirit, I made one step of obedience and I went to our National Pastors Conference that year. And in the first meeting, the leader of the movement stood up and he prophesied directly into my circumstances without knowing what was happening in my life and in my family. And you know what happened? Friends, sometimes you won't understand why things have happened to you and your family. Sometimes you won't get it why God has allowed things to take place within your life. But I want to tell you something. I didn't get it all, but for two hours I sobbed like a baby when the Holy Spirit came upon me and He healed me and He broke through the iron dome of my heart by the power of God and I could get back up on my feet again and I could go back to work and preach in the pulpit. Truly, nothing is too difficult for Him. Nothing is impossible And you know what? Sometimes you'll never fully understand what's going down in your life. But I want to tell you something. His name is faithful and true. He's faithful to you. He holds all truth within his hand. He can't be bent. He can't be twisted. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life today. So in the spiritual centre called the heart that can be so easily affected, look what the psalmist says in Psalm 25 verse 17. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Anybody know that testimony? The troubles of my heart have been enlarged. Suddenly things were going okay and then suddenly something's happened and all of a sudden your heart hasn't been enlarged for God, it just got enlarged with trouble. So the psalmist tells it like it is. That's why we love the book of Psalms. Because the psalmist, he never tries to write in pretense to pretend everything's okay. He shares it. He sings it how it is. He says, the troubles of my heart, they've been enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Friends, a heart that's enlarged with trouble is a distressed heart. You know what stress does? Stress breaks your body down. You find out that physically you become affected by stress because something has tilted, a wall has been built inside your heart and suddenly things have changed and you feel the weight of the world is upon your shoulders this morning. What about Proverbs 12, 25? Anxiety in the heart of man causes, causes depression. Anxiety causes depression. Did you know that we are living in the most depressed age ever on the planet right now? Right now, millennials are suffering and running to psychologists and psychiatrists all over the world. Now, I'm not saying it's not wrong to go and see one of those people when you are struggling with anxiety. Anxiety and depression are such a big problem in the world that, that we come from. But this is, this is how it comes. It comes because something took place in your heart that caused anxiety that you were not able to control or that you didn't, you chose not to control. And as a result of it now, you're suffering with depression and you're finding the black dog is biting at your heels every morning and you're struggling to get out of bed. Yeah. 
What about Psalm 55, verse 4? My heart is severely pained within me. Can anybody relate to this this morning, church? Come on, you're all human. My heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Anybody here ever experienced a panic attack? And you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The terror that you feel in the middle of a panic attack. And the pain that results from a heart that has been opened and walls that have been built. Fearfulness and trembling, verse 5, have come upon me and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, listen, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. There's two ways that we often respond to a pain in our hearts. One's called fight and the other one's called flight. And the psalmist here is saying, I just want my problems to go away. I want to fly over the top of my wall. I just want to run away. I want to get into flight mode and maybe if I just ignore it, it'll all go away. Friends, that doesn't go away. No matter how much you don't want to touch it and you just want to leave things as the status quo, you don't want to rumble, you don't want to, you don't want to make anybody unhappy. I want to tell you something, that wall stays there until it's been removed. Until it's been removed. Two couples can quite happily live in denial together until one of them decides that they're going to deal with the wall in their heart and then all hell breaks loose. Hello? Because suddenly they're saying, I want to deconstruct this wall that is in my life and I want to bring it down because it's causing me too much havoc. It's creating too much difficulty in my life and now I've got to address it. So how can I bring down the wall between myself and the manger? Between myself and the Prince of Peace today? We've all heard the expression, she's had a turning point in her life. The Bible's filled with examples of turning points where God comes in, walls are broken down, and suddenly lives are turned around today. Sometimes we can go through heart trouble for years, depending on how stubborn we may be. Did you hear that? Depending on how stubborn we may be. Did you hear that? Depending on how stubborn, the record just got stuck, how stubborn we may be, until we hit the until we hit the wall. If there's a wall in our lives, I want to tell you, you'll always hit it. Even when you're not aiming for it, you'll hit the wall because the wall is getting in the way. It's affecting your spiritual sight and your spiritual vision. And it's making it difficult for you to move forward within your life. My last scripture this morning there was a man who hit the wall his name was Hezekiah, he was a king and his wall was terminal illness I know many of you in this room, I've walked through with some of you in this room as you have watched your beloved ones suffer from a terminal disease 
Sometimes the worst kinds of diseases, where the suffering is elongated, where it's so difficult for you to get out of bed each day because you're, you're, you, all, all that is waiting for you is to watch the suffering of somebody that you love dearly. And Hezekiah was sick, he was near death. And Isaiah 38 says this, verse 1, In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. How about that's an encouraging prophecy right there. (laughs) Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall. We've got to face our walls, friends. Don't ignore your wall this morning. He turned his face toward the wall and he prayed to the Lord and he said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth with a loyal heart and I've done what is good in your sight. He forgot about the other stuff in his confession. He had periods where he was unfaithful to the Lord. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Hello. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. And surely I will add to your life 15 more years. Praise God. You know, friends, how walls come down. This is how walls come down is that you've got to hit rock bottom and you've got to be able to come from the depth of where you are in your situation and you've got to cry out to the Lord. Face your wall like King Hezekiah did, the wall of terminal illness. I remember when I was 24 years old, my first year of pastoring. My first year of pastoring. Do you know what happened to me? Because we got married and then a year later we were in ministry. We weren't ready to be pastors when we were having nuclear fallout in our relationship. We weren't ready for all those things to take place and the pressure of leading a church come upon me. But that's the position that we found. And within 12 months of our wedding, I looked at our wedding photo and two, a a, a groom's, a, a, um, what do you call them? The, no, not the best man. If you're getting married, right, I'm the groomsman, right, if I'm getting married, right? Okay, who are my mates? I'm the groom. So they're the groomsmen, right? Okay. The groomsmen and the bridesmaids. I'm with you. I'm with you. Just had a great wedding over here. And on my left-hand side was my bro. Only brother I was ever had. We were both little freckle red-headed kids. He had blue eyes, I had brown eyes. And we were only 11 months apart. And he got the news of terminal illness. He was 23, I was 24, my first year of ministry. So he's the groomsman in my wedding photo. And he goes to the doctor reluctantly because he can't stop coughing. And he knows there's something more going on because he had a testicle the size of an orange that he had not gone to see anybody because he was too macho. And it was something that you didn't talk about to anybody 
until he couldn't handle the pain anymore. And he started passing out. He was a sheep shearer. He passed out several times on the stand while he was shearing. Because every time he knocked that thing, the pain was so intense that he just fainted. And the doctor with good bedside manner examined him and said, and good doctor speak, you don't have any hope, you're going to snuff it within 12 months. That was his literal words to my brother. And so my brother was filled with fear and dread as he faced the wall of terminal illness. No religion in our family, so he had no God, he had no hope. And within six months of going through a brutal chemotherapy regime in his life, where I'd visit him every week and he would just be spewing out the side of his bed. Chemotherapy's come a long way since 1989. But he was so sick. He was so sick. And I would... Talk to, I'd try and talk to him about the Lord, but I knew how sick he was, and I didn't, wanna, I didn't want to just become a problem and another thorn in his side. But six months into his treatment, he decided to do something about his wall of terminal illness. And he cried out to the Lord, and he got born again, and he got saved, and he came to the Lord. Now, his story didn't end like King Hezekiah, where God gave him another 15 years. Within another few months, he was dead. But as he died, literally in his sick-ridden state, he was just a skinny rake that was all that was left of his emaciated body with that terminal illness. As he departed from his body, a smile glowed upon his face as his spirit left his body, and he went to be with the Lord. Friends, he beat that wall of terminal illness. Why? Because he cried out to the Lord as King Hezekiah did. All of our walls will eventually come down, but you have got to cry out to the Lord. You've got to get into that place of desperation where you realize that a son has been given, a child has been born for your freedom to take down every wall that exists against you. Proverbs says this, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Proverbs 3, 5, one of the most well-known and quoted verses of the Old Testament. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge your way. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. What does that mean? That means the starting point and the turning point is to put your trust in God and allow God to break down your walls today. Could we stand to our feet, church? He is our peace today. And He has broken down the middle wall of separation What lies on the other side of your wall today? Freedom. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Gentleness. Meekness. There is tremendous freedom waiting for each one of you today. Will you take a step this morning? And will you call upon the name of the Lord? 
Only God truly knows what's going on in your heart. Because we get really good at hiding it. We become masters of disguise. Today God wants you to take the mask off. He wants you to bear your heart before him this morning and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to dismantle your wall. I'm going to pray a prayer this morning for all of us in this room. And I would really be grateful if you could pray this prayer with me today. And if the shoe fits this morning over your life, can you pray it with sincerity and connect with the Prince of Peace to this child that's been given to you, to this son that's been born for you. He came to break down the walls. Let's bow our heads. Father, before I pray this prayer, Lord, we just take this moment just to set the compass to face true north. Father, for accuracy in our hearts this morning before the throne room, to acknowledge and to get on the potter's wheel. The clay doesn't tell the potter what he should do. And as we go on the potter's wheel this morning, Lord, my prayer that is as we connect with you in just a moment, Lord, that you would begin the process of breaking down every wall of division that may exist inside of our hearts today. That we can walk in 2018 with steps of joy and freedom. No more head down, chin up, our eyes looking to the hills with positive anticipation and faith. The plans that you have for us, plans for good and not for evil, plans for a future and plans for a hope this morning, Lord. Church, would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you the Father gave us this son, this child. Jesus, we acknowledge you today. You are the Prince of Peace. And as we open our hearts, we want to acknowledge the walls and we choose to cry out to you Lord this morning and we're asking with positive anticipation that you would now begin the process of deconstructing our walls Lord we yearn for freedom That we would walk as you have called us to walk. No longer slaves, but free men and free women. 
Spirit of God, we release you now to do a work, a deep work, and bring the walls down, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.